Hey, friend. Really proud of this Portfolio Career Podcast episode with Stacy Ferreira. Stacy co-founded her first company, My Social Cloud, when she was just 18 with her brother, for which Stacy got investors like Sir Richard Branson into the company through connecting on Twitter. She went on to publish a best-selling book with her friend Jared Kleinert called Two Billion Under 20, How Millennials Are Breaking Down Age Barriers and Changing the World. She is currently the CEO of Forge, a future of work startup. Please check out stacyferrer.com to learn more about Stacy and Forge at joinforge.com. Also, this episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at portfoliocareerpodcast.com. In this episode, we talk about finding work with your friends, how to think about your next project, job hopping, and the benefits of creation. So tune in to build and grow your portfolio career. And here we go with Stacy. Cool. Welcome to Portfolio Career Podcast. Your host, David Nabinski, is here with Stacey Ferreira. How's it going, Stacey? Things are going pretty well. How about yourself? Good, 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 good. Well, it's Friday, and I'm in New York, and you're in LA. But if we were to go to an event tonight together, how do you typically introduce yourself? Yeah. Oh, man. Depending on what coast you're in, right? People have different uh, different ways to answer this question. I feel like if I was in New York, I'd say, hi, my name is Stacey Ferreira. I'm founder and CEO of Forge Technologies. We build talent sharing software that gives businesses the ability to partner together to share part-time labor. Previously built and sold an internet security company and published a book with my good friend, Jared Kleiner, all about the millennial generation. That's awesome. Yeah. Jared's a great guy. Yeah. It's interesting that you you mentioned that it depends on the context and stuff. And maybe we could start with Forge. I love your recent blog post about kind of the starting of Forge and how you kind of seem like maybe built the the business for one of your friends. And yep. um, so I'd love to learn a little bit more about that. I think that's a, just a really cool story. Yeah, 100%. So, you know, to kind of, I think, understand Forge and, and the founding story, I'll give kind of the brief overview. So I mentioned in my bio, I started an internet security company and my background's in technology. Started that company, sold that company, then went on to publish this book all about the millennial generation and how technology is changing the way that this generation thinks about the future. And when I was publishing the book, one of the big takeaways that I had from it was that, you know, the way that people today want to work is changing. And I started talking to a bunch of my friends, you know, what do you think the future of work looks like? And none of my friends came back to me and said, I want the corner office and I want to sit in it from nine to five every single day, Monday through Friday, and then go home. Like that was not even something that people wanted. Everyone that I was talking to, they were like, Stacy, I want the ability to travel. I want to be able to work when I want to work. I want flexible work hours, especially out like New York, Silicon Valley, Los Angeles. People are like, I don't want paid time off. I want unlimited vacation. And I might use two weeks a year. I might not, but I want that freedom and flexibility. And so that became really fascinating to me. And the more that I started kind of learning about what people wanted from the future of work, I was like, does this really work in all industries? Like, what about people who are working at, you know, the local McDonald's or the local Chick-fil-A or the local Lululemon? Like, do they get the same flexibility? And the answer was no. Like, you come in, you punch a clock, you clock in and clock out for your shift for four days a week, three days a week, whatever hours you get. And that's pretty much it. And so I was talking to my best friend, Casey, and she was like, hey, you know, I'm working two jobs to make ends meet. 
and there's no flexibility in schedule. My managers tell me every single week what hours I have to come in. Sometimes they're overlapping hours and I have to go negotiate the hours with both managers. And she was like, this is just a nightmare of a situation. And so I was like, this was a few years ago. This is 2016. I was like, an Uber driver can download Uber and just go work. Why can't you do that working at a more established company than Uber? Like the retailer that you've worked for has been around for a hundred years and Uber's only been here for like four. So why the disconnect? So I, I really started Forge with this idea that I wanted to offer flexibility to the hourly workforce to pick and choose the hours that they work. So like they could have a similar flexible schedule to pick and choose their own work hours. That's, uh, that's fascinating. And and it's really interesting how you said you talked to your friends and, and then we also talked about like you wrote a book with your friend and I'd love to learn a little bit more about how people can work with the people that they already know, they like, they trust and compared to, you know, maybe a large corporation and stuff like any advice on how to find projects or collaborate with friends and peers? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is like just being open to opportunities. And I know it sounds silly, but like when people message you on Facebook and they're like, hey, I'm having like 10 friends get together tonight. Can you come? Like taking advantage of those opportunities is a really great way to either meet people that you already know, but can build a deeper relationship with, or more importantly, like meet the people who are connected to the people that you already know And it's always fascinating what interesting things come out of that, right? Like even you and I, right, we kind of met, I would argue that like Jared is the connector, right? And so it's funny how like you can have this friend and then that friend can introduce you to a bunch of other people. And those other people, a lot of times are where those opportunities lie. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. The the second degree or so. Spot on. And I'd love to learn a little bit more about, you know, your arc in terms of being an entrepreneur and then an author and... Um, I think it's really fascinating when people start to think about like designing their life and, you know, kind of creating real work that can last a, you know, a meaningful period of time. Do you recommend people to start an event series, start a podcast, write a book, start a company? Do you think any of those things are really important to have a meaningful or material career? Yeah. I mean, I think it's slightly different for everyone, right? People get different things. Like you can glean different things from different mediums. So I know, I just know this about myself. I know that I learn a lot more and I feel more personally fulfilled when I'm trying to build a company. And I think part of that is just like, it's, first of all, it's a long endeavor. If you're you know, doing something that you're truly passionate about and is a big idea, you could spend 10, 20 years on this thing. So that's exciting to me. I like the learning aspect of it. It's really challenging to go from literally just an idea to building a product, assembling a team, taking a product to market, learning everything that comes with that, learning how to scale. There's a lot of content-rich stuff there for me to learn. So I like that. I feel like there are other people who, even writing a book, it was a very different experience for me. People who learn a lot by writing down their thoughts, learn a lot by talking to other people, maybe through a podcast. So I think you kind of have to kind of look inward and understand about yourself. How do you learn? How do you grow? How do you like connecting with people? And then like picking your poison from there. Picking your poison. (laughs) (laughs) They're all really hard things, right? Like the act of creation, whether it's a book or a podcast or a company, like, I don't know, I kind of joke with my friends. I'm like, we all like pain to some extent, but it's a good pain. It's like a, it's like a learning fun adventure that comes with some struggles along the way. Hmm. Okay. And I won't get into the details of, uh, and I'll put it in the show notes of your 
you know, some of your great 26 things you learn in year 26. There's a lot of good nuggets in there and for people to reflect. And I know I think about that a bunch. And But one quote that I would love to dive a little bit deeper on was you posted about this trying to limit the number of potential career limiting moves. Could you maybe like unpack that a little bit more? Yeah, 100%. So this is something that I always like, I always talk about, which is there are some very clear career limiting moves. And some of those are just like general common sense. I'll give a good example. Getting a DUI to some extent could be a career limiting move, right? You're driving under the influence. A potential person who you might work for would look at that and say, all right, not using a lot of common sense, kind of being reckless, all those sorts of things. Um, So you've got like one bucket of career limiting moves, which is like, use your noggin, common sense, habit. The other career limiting moves are somewhat harder to optimize for in the sense that, and I'll kind of caveat this and I'll say, I don't necessarily believe that there are a lot of career limiting moves if you know how to tell a good narrative about yourself and the direction that you're going. I was literally, so I was just on the phone earlier today with a friend who, who was talking to me about looking for his next gig. And I was like, what are your biggest fears around the next thing that you're going to do? And he was like, well, I've really got two fears. And the first fear is I fear that I'm going to go to a company that has a team that I'm not interested in. And I was like, okay, but like, you can kind of test for that beforehand. So like, what's the true underlying fear underneath that? And he was like, well, I guess the fear is I'll be able to test the people before I get there, but you don't get that much exposure throughout the interview process because you get to interview with these folks like three or four times before they make a decision. And then you've got to choose if you're going to go work there. So he was like, I'm kind of worried. My biggest concern is like, I'm going to go to this company. They're going to hire me. And then I'm going to be three months in and I'm going to realize either I don't like the people or it's not that I don't like the people. I don't like working with those particular people because we don't get along. We have difference of values, difference of opinions on direction of the company, or I'm just going to figure out it's not the right fit for me. And he was like, and then my biggest concern from there is like, how am I going to talk to people about the fact that I was at this company for three months and then I left to do something else? And we can kind of talk about job hopping, but this is something too that like with the millennial generation, people hop jobs more frequently than before. But nowadays you see like one year to two years being the norm as opposed to like, oh, I hop jobs every three months. It kind of looks like this person doesn't have any sticking power. So I think things like that too, like be thoughtful when you're thinking about your career. Don't jump into something just because you're like, oh my gosh, I, I must have a job. Like be thoughtful about it. Make sure that you're going to be long-term happy in a place so that you're not mixing up your resume with a million different things that you can't even explain to someone. So I don't know if that really... No, that was, that was perfect. That was a really good example of a, a thing that a lot of people think about Sometimes they don't even ask people because they don't really, they're kind of scared to ask Yeah, and a way to move forward. And, and so you did mention, we could talk about job hopping. So I'd love to learn a little bit more on, on your views on that. Yeah. So, I mean, this is something that I, so I'm obviously really, really fascinated with the future of work. And one of the things that I always say to people is like, you spend more time working than you spend doing anything else, minus maybe like sleeping, depending on how much you sleep. So it's, it's really important that what you're doing is something that A, you're interested in, B, is fulfilling to you, and then C, of course, like pays the bills because 
this world isn't free. So I find it really fascinating. Like, how do people choose what it is they choose to do? And when do those choices end? And when do new choices begin? And what I mean by that is there comes a point probably in everyone's career where you feel like, all right, I've done everything in this job position, this role, I've learned what I've learned, time to go do the next thing. And I'm really fascinated with that kind of transition of when do people make that choice personally? Who are all the friends, the mentors, the spouses, everyone behind them that's kind of supporting them through that decision? And then how do they ultimately end up at the next place that they go? And this is something that we see, like this process is speeding up a lot more with our generation. So I always talk about, you know, you look at my grandma, my grandma worked one job her entire life. And the choices of the transitions that she made were, she graduated from high school, she opted not to go to college. She said, I'm going to go get a factory job, worked in a factory her entire life, basically 42 years of working in a factory. And then she retired. And the choices were, I'm not going to go to college, I'm going to get a job. And okay, it's time for me to stop working. Fast forward, you look at my mom and her generation, my mom's worked, she'll probably retire having worked four jobs in her career. She worked uh, one job and then decided to quit that job to move with my dad to Arizona where I grew up. She worked another job in Arizona for a few years, then she dropped out of the workforce. I mean, I'm putting air quotes. She dropped out of the workforce to raise my brother and I, which, okay, I would argue that's another job. So maybe she's had five jobs by the time she retires. And then she went back into the workforce and did um, two more jobs. And then you look at my generation and you look at me and I'm 26 and I've like worked six jobs by the time that I'm 26. Right. And so you could imagine that by the time I'm retiring, if retirement is even a thing, when I'm 70 years old, I'm going to have had like 70 jobs, right? At the rate that I'm going. And so I think that's a really fascinating thing just about this speeding up of what we're doing. And I think technology has a lot to do with that because we're exposed to so much more so we can get interested in a lot more. But um, yeah, job hopping is definitely speeding up. 70 different jobs. Wow. Can't wait to ha- I can't wait to record again in, in 50 years and to learn all about them. <laughs> Exactly. What's my narrative going to be? I don't know. It'll be so messy, but it's okay. (laughs) Onward and progress, I guess. (laughs) So how do you think that people should think about picking next? So the biggest thing that I always ask folks and even myself is like, what do I really want to learn over the course of the next year, two years, five years? So first is like optimize for what do I want to learn? And at different stages of your life, you optimize for different things, right? I could imagine, I'm making this up, but like 10 years from now, if I'm married and have a kid, I might be optimizing for how can I spend more time with my kid and make enough income to support this kid? Or some other people might optimize for how can I work with my friends because I really want to work with my friends. So you're optimizing for different things. So you pick what you want to optimize for first. For me, it's optimized for learning. What do I want to learn over the next year, two years, three years, five years? Once I know what I want to learn, the next question I ask is, who do I want to learn this with? Because to me, the people are super important, right? Like your friends, the people that you're going to work with, who are going to be the people that help develop you to learn the most that you can? So who do I want to work with? And then the third thing is like, how does that manifest itself? Is that in doing a podcast? Is that in starting a company? Is that in joining a company where I believe the mission? 
And then when you think about how does that best manifest itself, think about where are your skill sets and then where does that apply the best? I might want to start a podcast, but I might be terrified of talking to people over the phone or through um, whatever recording mechanism is being used. And if that's the case, then like I probably shouldn't start a podcast or I, I could like really want to write a book, but I could be the world's worst writer. And it's not to say that like I can't go learn that skill because I probably can. But I feel like you find a lot more happiness if you optimize for what are the things you want to learn? Who are the people you want to do it with? Where can you kind of tailor your existing skill set to really fly forward at something and do it really, really well? Okay. And, and, and that, that ties a lot into uh, your work at Forge and this, uh, this concept of talent sharing a, a new category or so. Um, I'd love to learn a little bit more about, about both of those two things and where you kind of see Forge going forward. Yeah, definitely. So at Forge, I kind of told you the origin story. So we started off with flexible scheduling, giving hourly employees the ability to pick and choose the hours they work at retailers, restaurants, hotels across the the U.S. And kind of mid last year, we came out with something new that we call talent sharing. And it's basically this idea that we go into a city or we go into like a micro uh, geography that has a lot of retail restaurants, hotels, a lot of kind of service based industry companies. We allow the businesses to partner together through our technology to share part-time labor. So if someone is working you know, 20 hours at the local restaurant, they could also go work 25 hours at the local retail boutique. To that employee, you know, they're working almost 50 hours. They're working 45 hours a week. So they're getting their full-time hours. And then to the businesses, they're able to better share that labor. I want my employee to stay with me because I've hired them. I've trained them but I can't give them more hours than that. So I got to share them with someone else. So we kind of came up with this concept. We tested it out in Hawaii and had just this fantastic response. We had no idea if people were going to be interested in this, had a fantastic response. We had over 70 retailers and restaurants sign up literally within a two mile radius and tested it again in kind of sort of middle of America in Minnesota and Again, great response, a bunch of people, businesses and employees signing up to be a part of it. And now we've just been rolling this out over over the United States. We'll do 45 new markets uh, this year alone, which is quite aggressive for us. Wow. 45 yeah. new markets. Wow. So it's a lot. <laughs> it's basically, uh, we were like looking at the, before the start of the year, we were planning for this year, both like people planning and budget planning, all that sort of stuff. and. At one point, this guy on my team, he was like, you do realize we're basically launching one market per week, right? And I was like, hmm, good point. <laughs> so, but it's good. We're excited about it and it's hopefully providing a lot of value for our clients. So that that's what gets us up in the morning. Love it. Love it. Yeah. It's, um, it's great to see and I love that, that growth. Congrats. Yeah. Thanks. Still, still working at it. Knocking on wood over here, but it's good. Yeah. Okay. Switching gears just a little bit, I'd say I'd love to learn a little bit more about you recently gave a, a talk about, you know, what do you want to be when you, you grow up and stuff and love to learn about kind of unpacking that a little bit in terms of kind of the career lens and stuff and why you really wanted to give that speech. Yeah. So I wanted to give that speech because when we're young, I feel like that's the question that we always get asked, right? People they'll kind of jokingly say it when we're sub 10 years old, they'll be like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I'll be like, Oh, that's cute. <laughs> but as you approach high school and as you get closer to being college age, your parents, your aunts, your uncles, your grandparents, 
they're like, no, seriously, David, what do you want to be when you grow up? And there are typically two types of people. There's like, I know exactly what I want to be. And then there's like everyone else who's like, I don't know, like, what's out there? What can I be? Right. And I kind of always fell in the latter category of that. I never really knew. And so this was a question that I always hated when people asked me it because I was like, okay, what do I want to be when I grow up? First of all, like define grown up, right? Are we talking when I'm 25? Are we talking when I'm 50? Are we talking when I'm 80? Like, what is grown up? Because I don't know. And then second is like, can I only be one thing? Like, I'm interested in music. I like reading. I like technology. I like golf. I like hanging out with friends. Like, I like all of these things. So can I only be one thing? And kind of the traditional system in the United States sort of says, go to college, get a degree in something, and then do that for the rest of your life. And I kind of hated that because I was only in college for two years and I switched majors both years. (laughs) So like, it just wasn't something that fit with the way that I thought about my future. And that's kind of the same when I was talking to a bunch of my friends, they were like, yeah, it's sort of the same for me. Like, I don't want to go to college and then get that degree and then only do that for the rest of my life. And in fact, I would venture to say at least 50% of my friends are not working in a field that has anything to do with their college degree today. So that's kind of why I wanted to give that talk. I wanted to talk a lot about how you don't just have to be one thing. The world that we live in today, you constantly have to be learning, constantly retooling, reskilling, and refreshing your skills. Like you can't go to college for four years and then think that that's going to be how you do your job the rest of your life. Because 20 years ago, the iPhone didn't even exist. So if you went to college over 20 years ago, you're like, what are you doing? So you got to learn how to use these things. Mm, constantly retooling, reskilling. I love it. Okay. Well, Stacy, is there anything else you'd like to talk about as you think about current projects, the companies you've started, sold, books you've written, anything else? I think the only other piece of advice that I'll kind of leave people with is, you know, I know there's no like one way or one path in particular, but I really do like this active creation. Like if you can create anything from scratch, I think you learn so much about the act of creation. I think you learn so much about yourself in the process and you learn a lot about other people as you have to interact with people to make this creation come to life. And so that's the only thing that like I urge people, if you haven't created something yourself, give that a go, whether it's, you know, writing your book or doing your podcast or starting a company or creating a piece of art that you've always wanted to create. Like go out there and create something because I think you learn a lot about yourself in the world and doing that. Well, I'm grateful we created this podcast. Thank you so much, <laughs> Stacy. And I can imagine a lot of people are going to want to follow up and support you. What would be the best way for them to do so? Yeah, so I'm generally available online. People can connect with me on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. My handles are just at Stacy Ferreira. People can also check out Forge at joinforge.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Stacy. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thanks again for tuning in to another Portfolio Career Podcast episode. Your interest and support means so much to me. If you want to learn more and subscribe to my monthly personalized newsletter, please head over to PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. There, you can also email me at davidnabinsky at gmail.com. Would love to hear from you. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon.